Hello, everyone, and welcome to another reaction show edition of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. We are continuing our talk about uh, exploring strange new worlds. And uh, joining me is uh, John. Hey, everyone. And Josh. Hello. And uh, returning from the uh, last reaction show, Star Trek reaction show we had, and continuing on as a regular cast member going forward is Joe. Just beam the board. Hi, folks. Uh, so we are uh, going to be talking about C uh, episode um, two and three of Strange New Worlds. That's uh, Children of the Comet and the Ghosts of Illyria. I thought I'd open it up, though, since uh, we ended our last reaction show just talking about what our hopes for this series are and see with now that we're three episodes in, which, you know, I think for a lot of series, when you hit like around the third or fourth episode, you, you kind of get a sense of where the season's going. Um, do we all feel like so far we're getting what we want out of the show? Um, John, I'll, I'll turn it to you to start. Oh, uh, most most definitely, um, which is uh, a nice a nice feeling. I don't think I've actually had it in quite a while. Uh, I've liked a lot of TV recently, but this is something that uh, right out of the gate was really good. But three really good episodes, one, two, three. Not even that, not even that like sophomore slump of the second episode where you're like, well, okay, they came out of the gate strong in the second one, they're maybe stumbled. This has just been one, two, three uh, really good episodes. Um, uh, what I'm getting out of it, I think, which is so well done, is that with, with, without overdoing it, each episode is focusing, giving us, it's, it's giving us a, a focus and an insight into an individual ca uh, crew member. So first episode was, you know, largely around Pike with with with, with a little bit uh, of others added in there. Episode two is clearly, you know, there's a bit of a focus on Uhura, but also everybody else, you know, because each episode we're getting a lot with Spock as well. Uh, and then episode three, uh, you know, it's uh, it's Una's number one uh, that we're getting. And they're doing it in such a masterful way where we're getting serialized individual episodes, yet they're focusing, I can tell this season on, let's get to know each character, even we even got some the beginnings of, of the of the backstory of Doctor and Mengo by the end of episode three. So that that's something that is that's just so well done in terms of just crafting a fun, entertaining show that you can watch, uh, you know, individual episodes of. But then we're really getting to know each character uh, on this in ways that just fit. Uh, I'm just I'm just blown away by it, and I really liked I really liked both the two episodes since we were last together. I mean, I. Uh, I, I think uh, particularly this last episode just has some really neat components to it. And I think whoever they, uh, whoever made the decision to cast Uhura knocked it out of the park because just like a lot of the other uh, uh, characters that were cast, they didn't know they were going up for this role. Even, even Manson Hound didn't know he was going up for Captain Pike when he first was auditioning in Discovery. It was Captain Parker or something like that. And then they're all told, oh, you're going to be Uhura. And wow, I mean, her, her performance in that role is giving us uh, an aspect of this character, which um, is really something uh, interesting to see. It's like, wh what was it like when this character was a cadet and, and really reflecting something that was hinted at in the original series, which is that this wasn't just your bridge comm officer. This was a phenomenal officer who was multifaceted, incredibly talented and an integral part of the crew. And now we're seeing that um, as a beginning part of the journey uh, and, I, th I think that was my favorite part of the last two episodes. No, I, I agree with you. I thought, I think the, one of, yeah, the, the, my favorite thing so far of the show, I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the stories of each episode, but I really like the fleshing out of the characters and the interaction 
of the characters, which I guess, you know, it's, it's episodic storytelling, but I, the, I guess, arc through line is the character interactions and story. Joe, what are, what are your overall thoughts, uh, thoughts uh, on the show, the, the, the first three episodes, and is the show going in the direction that, that you were expecting it to go? It's definitely going in the direction I expected it to go because it's entertaining me, and that's what I want. First and foremost, I want to be entertained, and especially by Star Trek. It's been a while. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm just finding this show to be a delight. Uh, I'm enjoying the characters. And, um, John, you hit upon something, you know, that, that we're getting to see. Uh, we're focusing on a different character each episode. And as we focus in on these, these, these characters, their story also informs us more about Pike's journey and where his, his quote-unquote preordained fate. So I think that's very fascinating. Uh, to watch that all unfold. They are literally on this thing, literally and figuratively on this, this journey together. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I am overjoyed so far. I, I, yeah, I, I just agree with what you said too, Joe. And then, and Josh, what are, what are, you, are you getting what you want out of the show and what are your thoughts about the first three episodes overall now? Absolutely. I, I echo both what Joe and John said. I think um, it really feels like Star Trek in a way that, the other shows, the other shows of this new Star Trek era, they each have have facets of it, but they bring something new that maybe Star Trek hasn't showcased before. But this is that sort of original Coke, uh, uh, Coke classic, uh, you know, if you will. Yeah, I I echo the sentiment. I, I do think they really have nailed the formula of uh, the individual episodic story. Um, married to the ongoing character um, story that seems will recur throughout the season. Uh, you know, it is really the best of both worlds, no pun intended. And, <laughs> you know, really makes um, the most sense. Um, uh, because even as a kid, you know, it would always drive me crazy when I would uh, be watching an episode of Star Trek. And like, you know, for example... In an episode of original of the original series, um, I believe it was Operation Annihilate, uh, uh, Kirk's brother dies, and we never hear about it again. Uh, the right. following week, though, I believe actually that was the final episode of season one. So, 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 I mean, uh, perhaps he he grieved off screen in between um, uh, between uh, the first and, and second seasons. Uh, but it's that sort of thing that would always kind of drive me crazy. There was a lack of continuity with. You know, if these shows are asking us to invest in these characters as people, the, the only flaw with that on on television up until, uh, you know, the, you know, arguably the uh, the 90s with um, and the 80s, which, uh, you know, shows like 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 Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law and China Beach and all those where the characters what happened to the characters, they remembered them the following week and the following season, uh, you know, so it's been really great to see them retaining that, that narrative innovation uh, while, as we have discussed in the past, um, kind of coming full circle and, you know, returning to the, uh, the classic TV uh, device of new adventure every week and, and getting a full meal. And I think it's just, yeah, it's just really fantastic. It feels like Star Trek. Again, I love how they've really successfully been riding this line of um, making it feel kind of authentically kind of 1960s, mid-century modern, like that's the DNA. And we're seeing the um, the 2022 ex um, kind of expression of that. And it is sort of, you know, I mean, maybe it's akin to 
if this bridge, for example, is supposed to be literally the same bridge that we saw in the 1960s in the original Star Trek, you know, maybe it's sort of akin to, well, um, uh, before it was in standard def and now it's in ultra HD and we can see all of those, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, screens or like, you know, before we didn't have our glasses and now we have our glasses on and it's sort of like, you know, like this is always what it quote unquote looked like, uh, you know, Which my, my brain is willing to go there. You know, I, it's, I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, yeah. So, the, so, um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I really love it. And I, um, it is definitely, uh, meeting my expectations. I also want to say, I really love Hemmer, uh, uh, the Andorian engineer. He's, he got that, uh, curmudgeon, uh, curmudgeon energy uh, that kind of echoes Koi a little bit from the original mm-hmm. series where he's just kind of complaining and bitching about everything, <laughs> you know, while always like, you know, letting you know, he's, he's really good at what he does. Yeah, he bitches um, almost as much as Odo. <laughs> yes, 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 almost as much as Odo. Yeah, so so I just he was really an unexpected uh, uh, delight, you know, especially because he wasn't in the first episode, he wasn't in the pilot episode. So, uh, you know, this most recent episode, uh, one hundred three, I think is, um, you know, he had a lot of screen time. We really got to know him, and I just I. Uh, I just ate it up with a spoon. I think he's great. <laughs> yeah, I think the like the best thing they're doing so far, as we we all said, is like really fleshing out this crew and and giving you a little insight into the myth. You know, you get a little insight into every character, um, and then obviously, you know, Ahura and um, you know, number one were the the focus of the of the first two episodes, and and obviously Captain Pike was the focus of the first episode. But kind of, I guess, you know, I guess now since we go into overall thoughts and feelings on on this show so far. And what the first three episodes are, maybe I guess we can like talk about children of the comment, some of our our other favorite things or or things we might want to you know focus in on. I mean, I agree with you, John. Ahura was was one of the highlights of that episode and everything they did with her and giving her the background. Um, Josh, I, I think you you kind of implied though you you felt like her storyline was reminiscent of an of an earlier Star Trek um, episode or an Enterprise episode. I'm correct. I think that's what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, not uh, that it's a problem. Um, uh, this actually may have uh, contributed uh, to its essential Star Trekiness for me in a way. Uh, but the the Uhura plotline um, was very uh, reminiscent of, I think, in like the the second or third episode, or the third or fourth episode of Enterprise season one. Hoshi Sato, who was the linguist, had a very similar storyline in a, a one of the early episodes. Uh, you know where she was, where she was because of her expertise, and she she was needed, but she wasn't sure if she was was cut out for uh, you know flying through space and uh, you know putting her life on the line. And in a very similar way, the resolution was they were in a life or death situation, and she didn't think she could uh, uh, decipher this um, uh, you know language, and she was able to, and ended up saving the day and saving the ship. Um, which gave her the confidence that she needed to realize, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe I really can do this. S- similarly, not to jump around uh, too much, uh, but in the third episode, I thought that that Una's storyline about, uh, you know, having the secret about uh, being genetically modified was very uh, reminded me very much of 
uh, Dr. Bashir, I presume, from uh, Deep Space Nine, when I think in season five or six, we find out that uh, uh, Bashir was genetically engineered when That's he was right. a child. And it deals with those similar issues about how genetic engineering um, uh, was outlawed in the Federation after the experience uh, that Earth had with the eugenics wars. Mm-hmm. Khan, I believe, also got a name check in that uh, Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, which, as an aside, I really liked how... Uh, what's uh, the character's name? La'an? La'an, yes. La'an, yeah. yeah. She, she um, obviously, her, uh, her namesake uh, raises a lot of eyebrows or raised a lot of eyebrows uh, when her character was announced. I really liked that they they kind of dispatched with that in that third episode where she just kind of brings it up in a very matter of fact way and a really nice scene, a heart to heart scene that was great for, for both her character and for number one, where she just, she, um, she acknowledges, yeah, he was my ancestor. It's like, I have this weird name. It's kind of a cross uh, that I bear. And I was very uh, pleasantly surprised because I expected that, you know, uh, the mystery of her, her parentage would um, factor in in some way in the larger storyline. Uh, presumably, it's it, uh, you know it still will. Um, uh, but I really liked that they uh, they weren't trying to build it up as some kind of a mystery. It was just like no, like he was my ancestor, and uh, we all know this. It's common knowledge, and it actually shed a lot of light on the character in a very uh, you know natural way. It's like you know if you were to grow up with the uh, the name Hitler or something. It's, I mean, I mean, that's a lot of baggage to carry with you. The baggage concept is something that they, uh, that all the Star Treks recently have been, you know, dealing with to one extent or another. Uh, I feel like this is, this is definitely the, uh, the through line for Star Trek, uh, uh, Strange New Worlds is that we're going to have these adventures. We're going to go through things, but it's going to be, you know, how are these characters, what are, the, what are their journeys uh, and how are they, you know, dealing with some of the stuff that they bring. Uh, but they're doing it in a way that, works really well so again you can maintain the episodic format um i liked i, I liked the surprise with number one uh, it, what you said it rate, rate remnant of, of bashir and one random tr- trivia fact is i didn't i didn't realize this until recently i was looking something up there was an episode of enterprise where they encountered the illyrians and it's at the height of the zindi war and very controversially and then a major uh uh, uh decision that Ar- captain archer makes he encounters an illyrian ship needs a warp core to like oh you know, get back to the war mm-hmm. to save billions of lives and he basically st- he's basically a pirate he steals it from them stranding these illyrians to a three-year journey that otherwise would have you know would, would have been ta- you know would have taken days um and there's a big moral question around that but i thought that's so interesting because it also shows that you know underneath that is that bias the federation has towards the Illyrians, towards genetically engineered things, which is which is the really complex issue, which is so Star Trek. It's like, they're not giving us a clear answer on this. There isn't the like black or white, this is right, this is wrong. It's saying, this is a really difficult thing because how, how do you deal with the dangers of uh, genetic manipulation when taken to extremes? We have the consequences of eugenics war in the 21st century, but all the way to the 24th century with Bashir, we're seeing... We're seeing that. So this this is such a great example of Star Trek using its mythos to give us as longtime fans an extra thing. But a new viewer can totally tap into this in a way that they couldn't necessarily tap into uh, 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 um, Picard, certainly, and, and to some extent Discovery, I think. 
Um, and, and that's why it's so good. And I'll just say, I've, I've been watching this with friends, some who are longtime fans, others who are new, and it's universally being enjoyed. And that's, that's, wow. I, I didn't think I was going to see that kind of Star Trek in a lifetime. It's one thing to see fan service. It's another to see just a well-made show that, you know, you still need your background. To see something like this, which I think is universally accessible as just good television, good story writing, good science fiction. That's something that I really want to uh, just praise the writers for, praise the, the creators for. And uh, and uh, I just wanted to quickly jump back on the design thing uh, about the bridge because that's, I, we were nerding out about that the other day. It's like the best of mid-century modern style, which was very prominent in the 60s television show with a modern twist not too much J.J. Abrams lens flare, though a little tiny bit of it, <laughs> and it's gorgeous. I want to live on that Enterprise. Like I always liked the Enterprise D. That's always like been my favorite place to like live because it's sort of like a hotel in space. There's carpeting everywhere. You know, it's nice. This is gorgeous. The people responsible for that, wow. I mean, that alone, that should be an Emmy for uh, uh, design right there. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with you, John. Uh, Joe, you had you had your, you were wanting to say something for a while. Uh, a few things. Um, quickly back to Ohora. Her backstory is um, when she's in the captain's, invited to the captain's uh, quarters. And I have something to say about that too. Uh, but Ohora's backstory is, is, this is bittersweet. And it's so, it just makes her, it makes your heart melt. And it makes her even a more endearing character. So uh, I wasn't expecting that to be her backstory, but it's, um, it's it was beautifully written. And the, and the way she told it, she's a marvelous actress, this young lady. And I'm looking forward to, to more uh, uh, of, of learning more about Ohura and seeing. The, and we know what she's going to become, but uh, we're, at least we're going to get to see the journey, and that's great. Uh, and the captain's quarters, wow, Pike's quarters are huge. I mean, who did Kirk piss off at the academy? Oh, wait a minute, we know who he pissed off at the academy. Kobayashi Maru test. Okay, but uh, <laughs> Kirk winds up in this tiny little space, and wow, I'm, I'm uh, he's he talk about a hotel in, in space. Uh, He's got the uh, the uh, what do they call that the the best suite in the, in the hotel the bridal suite. <laughs> <laughs> Pike's got it good, man. He's living large. So yeah, and and to get back to um, uh, Una and uh, Lan, uh that scene yeah, in the I guess that's their version of Ten Forward when they're eating the strawberries. And yeah. They're, 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 yeah. Um, but you know, there's that scene at the very end of um, Ghost of uh, of Valeria. Where Una's sitting on her bed and she deletes that, um, that uh, you know, that... Uh, her, uh, the personal log. Personal log, thank you. Because she she's happy that she saved the ship and she's, you know, she's happy that the captain, you know, uh, thinks of her as a hero. But she doesn't want to be thought of that. She just wants to be thought of that. She says, someday I'd like to be thought of just as an Illyrian. I just, love that. That just I yeah. gorgeous, beautiful moment. I love that so much um, uh, because it... Uh, because it also shows the evolution of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because so we got that scene where uh, you know she turns in her resignation to Captain Pike, and right. uh, uh, you know uh, uh, Pike has a great uh, captainy speech that you know absolutely right of him to say, and we love him for it, and you know it was very Star Trek. Uh, but whereas an episode of of an earlier iteration of Trek, like in TNG or even DS Nine. Um, that would have have been the end note here. Um, we get um, one more little note at the end where it's not all hunky dory at the end. No, like the 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 uh, the plot resolved itself, and uh, you know her 
her future is secure. Uh, but the idea that they give her the dimensionality and they also they give uh, this v- uh, very layered, nuanced portrayal of this idea that, OK, she's her job is safe, her career is safe. Uh, uh, because you know this one man finds her acceptable and because she's exemplary and she's superlative and uh with this idea would he still feel this way if i wasn't one of the exactly. good ones you know would he still think that i had value as just a regular illyrian right yeah. and and i really liked that they they included that uh because i think that that's a dimension that i think uh you know the uh, the previous shows uh, lacked, and not ju- uh, to just uh, you know level that against Star Trek. I think in general, I think um, uh, TV uh, did not quite have that that outsider's uh, perspective to even have the the knowledge of what the the interiority of a character who is not the stated norm of the show kind of from the inside looking out it's also someone on the outside looking in and like what they're the 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 ability to speak to what would be going on in the mind of a character that has one foot on the outside i think is really a, a new and a great innovation for Star yeah and, and 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 think about this now we know why in the very first episode the cage number one is so seemingly aloof and cold because mm-hmm. she feels like she's an, she's an outsider, she, she just wants secret. to be. Yeah, she has a secret, but she, the secret the secret is is big. But it's also her feelings that she just can't. You know, will she ever be accepted? So now you know it's all wow. Go, goes back fifty eight years or so. It makes everything make sense. It's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. That's been the genius of this show so far. Has been that it's woven so well into into those you know little bits we know about Pike and that crew. Um, and yet they're taking their own their own stance on it. It's funny when I when I'm thinking about characters like Spock in this. Um, I think I'd read a comment somewhere. Somebody said what's interesting is that in the J.J. Abrams movies, Leonard Nimoy was still with us, so he was you know he was even in the movies, so he was sort of informing the performance. Um, and now this this character and the and the actor are doing it completely on their own. Uh, and I'm finding it that it all fits, but it's this, but it's also a new take on it. That I'm really, really enjoying, um, particularly those interactions between uh, Spock and Uhura. And 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 full, full, full admission, I was not a fan of the J.J. Abrams movies' take on their relationship. Um, it felt kind of forced and mm. and weird. But I was all right. Let's let let's see where that goes. Um, this this is of course a different you know time frame. I mean, th- th- this is she's younger. He's still you know a middle aged Vulcan, uh, but almost as a mentor. It just all fits, and the character moments are phenomenal. Her commentary was that was was that a pep talk? Was that supposed to be a pep talk? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's not <laughs> that's working, great. you know. And Spock genuinely wanting to learn. He takes on a bit of the role of Data in this version, you know, mm. in that he's not you know adamantly opposed to his human side in in, in this in this you know dismissive way, but he's just like, yeah, I don't know, I have no idea how to interact like this or to. Uh, uh, un, un, understand that. Um, an interesting side note too is that there, there are novelizations of Uhura apparently that uh, are very much about ones called literally Uhura's song. Uh, her being able to sing and various methods of communication with that is actually established in Trek. So this is not this is not something you know way out there. And and the person they cast 
um, is a Broadway performer uh, with quite a voice. So this is this is something that I think we're going to see a lot more of. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think they've, they've taken a lot of that in line with the casting. The engineer. Uh, what is what is what, what is the engineer's actor's name? Um, um, Bruce uh, Horick. Yes. Who is himself legally blind. Uh, playing a character that is blind. I think that's one of those things that, you know, there's been a lot of movement in Hollywood towards trying to push towards uh, casting people who have a particular disability or a particular uh, a connection with a role's cast in that role. We've seen it a lot in the call of, you know, uh, in, in particularly disabled people playing disabled people rather than, you know, being shut out of roles that they are ideally suited for, but also can bring... A, an element of the performance that that able-bodied people might not quite be able to understand, and that's something really exciting to see. And and I'm fully seeing it. Seeing it in Star Trek makes total sense. But also bringing what people really have. So now Uhura, as you know, having this amazing voice, I fully expect to see to see more of that. In some interesting mm-hmm. ways. So I I don't I I think that it's just whether it's some happy lucky casting or or, or good executives. Uh, they're they're really pulling all those pieces together, um, and then at the end of it, is it fun? Are all these components working together? The first time we see uh, we see the engineer, the first time we, you know, he's uh, chopping up those carrots, and Ura goes over, <laughs> and says, "Oh, can 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 can, can I help?" Earnest, good intentioned, a little awkward to say the least, and uh, then he and Spock are messing with her. You know, like that was, that was just, that, that was a great moment. And, you know, again, a little bit of that hazing, oh, the dress uniform moment. Perfect. And I don't know how he does it, but, but Anson Mount as Pike has these moments where it just, you want to laugh with him. You want to be there with him because when, when he opens that door and it's just that split second of, oh, the dress uniform, they got to, like, <laughs> oh, that was just, that was just such a, that brought a smile to my face. And he he did something similar with a smile in the first episode, when he uh, transports down to the two uh, you know warring factions on the planet who who are arguing in, in in chambers for the first time in 100 years, and he just sort of says hi, hi. <laughs> you know, knowing yeah. how awkward it is to just have beamed in the middle of these people, but it was something really endearing, and and I think it's it, it's channeling a lot of different. Uh, a captain's over the era, and now he's created his own. Because in Discovery, I thought, well, he's sort of like a neat take on Captain Kirk, if you will. And now I'm saying, no, 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 no. This this is something uniquely his own, uh, but it's just joyful to watch because I want to see like what he does. And that's so fascinating because it's against the backdrop of him having this, you know, fear and sadness as to his own fate. So that's that's just that's just interesting. Well, I don't know I, what I think, else to call it, but it, it certainly makes me want to watch more and more and more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that that opening scene of the uh, second episode at the captain's quarters. Like, I mean, there's obviously we've seen many crews at this point interact and stuff, and the next gen crew had a lot of, I guess, fun off the screen. But the, the crew they're depicting is having fun together, like in real time. It's not the, it's not the actors having fun; the characters are having fun together. It seems like, and they all get along, and they all. Uh, meshed together and it's a it's a crew you kind of want to be a part of it it was it's a you know i was like wow this is great they're ha-, like joe going back where you said star trek is fun that that first that yeah. scene is like that, that is fun uh for 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 me to like want to follow these characters through whatever episodes we're gonna get from them my and i think it still holds till today my favorite scene in all of star trek history uh, or let's say live action history is the very last scene 
of the very of the final episode of Next Gen, the poker the poker game, mm-hmm. and when Captain yeah. Picard comes in, and uh, he says, "I should have done this a long time ago," and 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 uh, and of course they say, oh, um, "It was uh, Deanna's Captain. You're always welcome at this table," and that's the that's the sense you get in the in in, this, in the in the dinner scene at the beginning of uh, uh, of the uh, of the second episode uh, with Pike. You know, just bringing people in, not just offices, but just quote unquote regular people, as as Ortega says, and it's just wonderful to watch this unfold. And and yes, um, but there's also there's also a split second moment there amidst all that frivolity and camaraderie and familial, you know, um, content. When he asks Ohura, "Where do you see yourself in ten years?" and you see him stop, and and of course you see Una look up at him. And we know why why he stopped because we know where he's going to be. He knows where he's going to be in ten years, and she knows too. So that was an interesting little um, little uh, aside there that they put into that scene. And, and you know, they could have just glossed right over that. What do you see yourself in ten years, uh, cadet? And and uh, I don't know if that was directing. I'm sure it was directing. Answer mount mount or whatever. However, that came about. That little fraction, that little tiny moment, that gives us more. That just brings us further into his character and 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 where he's headed. Um, just a tour de force, really. That that entire that entire uh, dinner scene. Yes, I, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. That, like I said, one of my favorite parts of the episodes we've seen so far. Yeah, that scene I actually wanted to talk about as well. The the um and uh, both John and Joe touched uh, touched on what I want to say a little bit. Oh, you're right. This is this is a different captain, and it is interesting when you contrast him to uh, the two that loom largest are uh, Kirk and Picard. You know, Joe, like this this specific scene this specific interaction the like having the crew over for dinner on uh you know what looks like a regular thing that he does um you know this is in direct contrast to a picard who was you know very aloof and mm-hmm. like that uh, the journey of his character over the, uh, the whole seven seasons of next gen is arriving at that final scene that you talk about where he yeah. is finally yeah. comfortable yeah. enough mm-hmm. to enjoy his crew you know, as as uh, 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 people, not as uh, you know, um, Starfleet officers under his command. Uh, Pike clearly does not have that problem. It's also very interesting, just as an aside. Like, if you uh, contrast um, where the character is now to where he was in the cage, where uh, you know, I think he he you know, Pike in the cage, the Pike of the cage is very much a man who who is questioning and doubting himself uh, because of the loss of all of these crew members on a mission on Rigel that that uh, uh, you know went awry and he's really he's he's beating himself up over it and I can't help but wonder if you know it is because he feels so strongly and so connected with his crew that that um you know unlike a red shirt who uh, are they uh, they lose on a landing party in uh, TOS. Uh, you know, he takes it. He takes it really personally because of that connection that he has. Uh, you know, and you you contrast a scene like this to uh, to Kirk. You, you know, you could imagine. Um, you know, Captain Kirk enjoying a drink or a meal with his crew, like uh, definitely with the um, uh, the uh, 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 the Troika with um, Kirk and Spock, but. but uh, there is sort of a, um, you know, a military kind of strictness and a, a decorum. Protocol, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, it's like a protocol that that I think uh, for Kirk, 
uh, remember when he's captain of the Enterprise in the original series, he's he's young. I think I, I don't know if this is actually said in the series or if it's in, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the novels, but I think he's the youngest uh, captain in Starfleet. Right. So so you, you could look at that as like, well, he he is he treats his crew that way. He um, he sees his his role as as captain is to be uh, slightly unapproachable. I mean, obviously he's approachable, but, uh, uh, but like, you know, not, you know, fraternizing with the crew uh, to the uh, degree that we see here. Like you could see that as his way of making up for his youth. So, 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 you know, he commands a respect and that's what he has to do uh, to get that. But uh, for Pike, you know, it really struck me that he really seems um, at this moment in time where we see him a really fully formed uh, character and captain. He he um, he's completed the journey that um, we saw Picard go through. He doesn't have that you know need to maintain the um, the the uh, the protocol and the uh, the slight unapproachability of the younger Captain Kirk. And then I realized, of course, but his unresolved. Um, kind of internal struggle is this knowledge of his own death. Uh, you know, that's obviously um, the story that we are getting into in the series. I really loved how in that second episode, they're playing with the idea. Obviously, I presume he's he's going to end up where we know he ends up uh, with this idea that he can actually maybe change it or influence it. Or I just think that's a really interesting idea that I didn't expect. And the last thing I want to say about that, uh, just, you know, um, stepping back for a moment, like th- uh, this is such a rich concept, uh, you know, to give a character uh, to show a human being struggling with the knowledge of where and when they will die, and it's so it's so it's so interesting to me because this to me is the definition of creativity. It's like you know, really, this entire story for uh, uh, for Anson Mount in this show is. Th- the result of a production decision from almost 60 years ago where, uh, you know, they shot the two pilots and then uh, they recast the lead and made some changes. And then in the first season of the original series, um, they're running behind schedule and they need to save some money. So they, they out of necessity, Gene Roddenberry, and this is one of the, the um, most brilliant, things he ever did and really shows that like you know when the chips are down he was he was a really great uh a a tv producer and writer but he figured out a way to utilize the footage from the first uh, pilot to get not one but 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 two episodes out of it (laughs) and they couldn't get jeffrey hunter back so they made captain pike have an accident uh where he uh you know he uh, uh, to explain his appearance, and uh, because of that quick thinking, that that practical, I need to get some uh, some use out of this uh, film that we spent all this money on, and I can solve two problems at once. Out of that is this lore, this mythology, this this story that um, uh, now someone is really grabbing the reins and exploring the consequences of that. And that to me is, uh, you know, really my favorite uh, a part of creativity is like you, you, you look at what you have and you start to look at it in a different way and you say, okay, well, what can I do with this? 
And I just think it's so amazing that it's this wonderful story and I'm sure it's going to make for a fascinating character arc that you can only do in a science fiction context, like this knowledge of how a human being is going to die. And it all results from a like practical last minute production decision from 60 years ago. I think it's amazing. It really is. Yeah, it's amazing. But like writers can, you know, they're, they're doing a great job with the show of, of writing and filling in blanks from what has gone before them without stepping on the toes of what's gone before them. Uh, they've been very careful to do that and make it seems like seamlessly fall into line. I mean, I think a lot of, and John, you were touching on this, like with Spock, his performance is brand new and his take on the character is brand new, but we're so informed by all the years we've spent with Leonard Nimoy as Spock that I can, it, it just makes all sense in my head. Like I have enough information on the character of Spock that I, I can immediately just put this new in, incarnation of him in my head canon to make everything uh, seem like it fits. You know, I, I guess, and Josh, you were about to touch on this point, you touched on this point briefly, but I'm assuming that, you know, with the talk, like he can change his destiny. There, The show is not going to change his destiny though, right? I mean, I'm, no, I'm I thinking, so. I don't think they're going to de- deviate from the path that, you know, because they're being so... So taking so much effort to honor history, I don't think they're going to find a way and change history for some reason. Well, I yeah, think I mean, I don't the, think they're going to do that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to do it. I, th- I think that's the, uh, the nuance of what actually happens to Captain Pike is he's, he's, seen, he's seen one snippet of time. He's seen this injury. He doesn't even know if he dies. He, I think he's, he's made that assumption that he dies. Um, or, 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 or actually, specifically, he said, the man I am dies. So he does realize that he survives mm-hmm. it. Um, but he's he's in a forever, you know, changed form. And we know, you know, as 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 as, as viewers, we know what happens ultimately that Spock, you know, breaks the last death penalty on the record uh, and takes him back to Talos Four, where he effectively lives out, you know, uh, the remainder of his life. Uh, and in and, and, and a pretty good situation with somebody that he did fall in love with. So the yeah. idea of changing your fate, what fate is, how it plays out, what it means is, is, is really interesting because he doesn't actually know his long-term fate. He, he knows the fate at 10 years. He doesn't know what it means in the months of the year after that when Spock intervenes. Um, and while, you know, that's still a different existence where it is sort of, you know, it's just projection of a different reality. It, it's, he doesn't know that yet. And, 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 and that's where it is. Can you change your fate? Can you avoid it? Can you do this? Well, he doesn't even really know what that ultimate fate is. And I think those questions are going to come, are going to, are, are going to play out in interesting and different ways. And yes, they might, they might play with that a little bit more. I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of whatever season it becomes, um, that they, that they play with that a little bit more in terms of, well, what really happens to him? What, what what does that mean? What what does it mean for him to go back to Talos Four? There's certainly more. I think they, they 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 could elaborate with on that in terms of what the ultimate destiny of Captain Pike is, um, and, and I think that's going to be where where they get to play with those notions. I, I remember in college I took a course uh, uh, that was uh, mostly on Greek philosophy, but it was also a little bit of political science. And the title of the course was called Fate, Freedom, and Necessity. And the debates and arguments we had in that class were so much around this kind of thing. And I loved it um, that, you know, what really is that idea of what we are hard code bound into? That is, you know, the gods have decided we cannot change as mere mortals. You know, what are the things we can change? And what's and, and, and what's the relevance of the difference between those two? I think this show is going to go down that road 
uh, while not necessarily changing what we see in the menagerie, but I think they're going to flesh it out in some very unexpected ways. Yeah, that's what I would hope for. That's what I hope for. I don't want to, you know, I, I I like the idea of like, can a man go against uh, what he perceives as his fate, at least up to that moment, uh, without ultimately, I guess, changing the history that we've kind of accepted going forward with this show? Um, a few things, yeah. Um, for for well, uh, Josh, I just checked. Uh, Kirk was thirty four years old, uh, as he stated in the Deadly Years. So he uh, definitely the youngest uh, captain. Yes. I'm over 34 years old. He's about to fall over. He says that. Um, and, uh, you know, Pike, as this, he's comfortable in his own skin, even though he knows he's got this looming fate in front of him 10 years in the future. I mean, uh, again, at the very beginning of, uh, of uh, Child of the Comet, uh, he says, um, let's, uh, let's save this planet before breakfast. And I love this job. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, He's he's a real dichotomy. He's a real a character that you know this 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 sort of Damocles is, is above his head. It's going to come swinging down in ten years, and yet he's still able to function and do his job without a lot of the angst that some of the other captains uh, we've seen in Star Trek go through. Uh, and as far as uh, captains or commanders knowing their fate, uh, we also have from another great TV show, uh, John Sheridan, right, James? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's a, he, knew, he knew he was going to die in 20 years. So, and yet he didn't let that stop him from, from uh, doing his, um, his job and doing his mission and, and, uh, and taking care of his people. So, um, well, although to be fair, I would be much more comfortable knowing my fate uh, was to, uh, you know, in 20 years, sleep in light and kind of ascend beyond the rim uh, versus yeah. what, what, uh, oh, where yeah. Captain yeah. Pike ends up. Oh, well, yeah, I agree. I can <laughs> I, you know, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to end all this, this heavy talk with, because we're talking, you know, going back to the, um, the, the card game uh, at the end of uh, next gen. Um, there's an, there's another card game. There's, there's a few card games throughout the, uh, the, the that uh, series, but I believe it's in cause and effect where data speaks. One of my favorite lines in all of Star Trek history is he's flipping over the cards and uh, he speaks the line, no help for the Klingon. So I just, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in because that's one of my favorite lines ever. So yeah, I love Star Trek, obviously. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for what comes next with with, with this yeah. show because I don't think I've ever experienced a show where I've enjoyed it, critics enjoyed it. And not that I want to put that much weight into Rotten Tomatoes, but 98% critical review is almost unheard of. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so that, 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 that's sort of mind-boggling. And the fans are at 82%. And if there's anything that can be said about Star Trek fans, we're very picky. We love mm-hmm. debating all the minutiae and the points of things. So for that to be 82%. That's a high mark. Is, I mean, that's basically that's universal praise. I mean, that's um, basically universal yeah. praise in my book. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I have been telling friends, I've been like, all right, well, if you're not going to watch it, you know, now get that, get that. Uh, uh, get that uh, month trial to Paramount Plus when the season has ended and binge watch it. Like mm-hmm. you have to watch this. And I've been sending clips to people, and I said, "This is this this is the Star Trek for both Star Trek fans and non you know and people who not yet watch Star Trek. Like this this is the show uh, for that on on almost every level. Um, because I, I, I again I just I haven't seen anything quite like this, and I'm sure we'll have a few you know weaker episodes here and there." Um, but I, I, with such a strong cast, it's going to be like a weak episode of Next Generation. You're like, well, that was still fun. 
you know. Yes, exactly. You joke about it, but it's still a fun episode. You still felt like that was a a a, a good way to spend your time. And, and and the big thing for me has been th- this has created a communal experience for me again because there are a number of friends who want to watch it in person every week. We tried it with Picard, but Picard's pacing really made it difficult to have that level of excitement, particularly if you couldn't make it every week, you know, mm. uh, because life is complicated. You can't always, you know, show up for something. But this is like, hey, if we're around, let's get together and watch this because we just know it's going to be a good time and we're going to have fun stuff to talk about afterwards. Um, and I think in that regard, you know, that's 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 the magic I think we've been looking for in Star Trek for a, for a very, very uh, long time. And keep in mind, this, this is largely the same production team that brings us Discovery and Picard. Um, and I think being unshackled from so much previous lore that they had to do, you know, something has, has been the real, the real, uh, uh, benefit here is that we know, we, we know nothing about Captain Pike's time on the Enterprise. We only know what happens to him afterwards. So we get, we get this entirely new period. We get to experience what the Enterprise is with that. And I don't know what you all thought, but even that warp core, that was amazing. And mm. when, uh, and when, uh, 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 the, you know, when, when Hemmer uh, has that moment where he's, where, where he's, you know, giving them all the power they need, you know, you know, it's, it's a different approach than Scotty. I'm giving it all I got. He's just casually walking around putting one of those. And, and I totally noticed that he's putting one of those like, uh, uh, you know, chips in to transfer power or something that was totally a throwback to the wooden, uh, 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 you know, data cards that they had on the bridge of the Enterprise in the original series. And he's just doing this casually, walking around doing it. He's like, he's like, wait a second. It's like, you'll have it in a moment. It also sounded very much, I've worked in IT throughout my life. Sounds like IT, guys. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> wait a second, then reboot, then try it again. And he was just so casual and confident about it that it was one of the moments where you're like, oh. And choosing to have like the power dip with the people walking through the hall, you got the sense of gravity to it but that he was just like, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Um, and, and I think that's, that's just going to be so, so interesting to, you know, watch that character's development. Uh, but this is definitely a seasoned crew. We're, we're not out on the, uh, on the uh, Academy tra- training vessel enterprise. This is, this is the enterprise at its best uh, going out there for strange new worlds. Um, and that's, uh, that's something that, uh, you know, again, we one of my complaints about uh, Star Trek and the time that I got into it as a person was, uh, uh, you know, I was starting to watch at the end of the movies. And it was like the old haggard crew, the Enterprise always got the crap kicked out of it. You know, it was an old ship at that point, soon to be decommissioned. You know, that was that was, you know, sort of where I started with the original series crew was in that movie era. And then Next Generation comes along and that was great. That 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 was new and it was this gorgeous galaxy class ship again. So I got to see something new. I feel like we're back to that again. This is this is the Enterprise at its best. Uh and we get to go along for that ride. Oh definitely. Yeah. That, definitely. I, I agree. I agree with that. And I would say also for the writing style of just like you know, I'm ca- you know, we just finished watching Picard and we and I'm catching up on Discovery season four. And as much as I enjoy that, I think some of the you know, as much as I love arc st- storytelling, I think having the writers unshackled from having a season long arc that also can affect the pacing and where, where the ball has to be moved by the end of your 10 or nine episodes can be very freeing. And, you know, I really just care about as long as there's consistency with the character arcs like, you know, as Josh, you were saying earlier, like. I don't want you know them to forget about the revelations we had, which we're not going to do that anymore. They've no. learned from that storytelling, but 
I think as a writer now, you can do episodic stuff and have it be encapsulated in episodes, but just carry over the character traits of each each uh, character that you've explored so far. And that that gives you enough glue to keep everything going without being shackled for an entire season to one main idea. Absolutely. Definitely. I, I, and uh, I mean, you said it before, Josh, uh, best of both worlds, no pun intended. So I'll say uh, what James, to read what James just said, uh, doing this show this way is uh, an alternative factor. <laughs> um, uh, Joe, I got to ask you, um, uh, uh, you in particular, um, uh, 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 do you like the alternative factor as an episode? No. No. I, I, <laughs> I never um, understood that thing with the whole doorway and the, the no, corner. No, it's very confusing. And the, I, it's, and the spinning thing. Uh, <laughs> no, I do not like that. Uh, 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 John or James, what about you? It's it's uh, the episode, the f- uh, 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 first season of the original series with Lazarus, uh, Lazarus and um, he's like he's he's going uh, back and forth between an antimatter universe and our universe. And yeah. uh, do you remember that one? I don't remember that one. Oh, I you're lucky, Lazarus, you're lucky. I'm trying to remember the episode in detail. <laughs> no, don't well, bother. so so it's so it's one of like the the uh, Joe. I think it's fair to say most maligned most maligned episodes of. Uh, the original series. Sure, it's up there with I the act- space episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of have a soft spot for it, just because. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. It's not a. I mean, it's not a great hour of television, but um, something that I like about it that it really, um, it's very weird. It's like it, uh, you know, it's like the first time in the original series that the Federation is like, yeah, something weird happened uh, to the whole galaxy. It just like kind of winked out, and we're kind of freaked out. out. We yeah, don't really, second, yeah. yeah, and we don't really know what's going on. And uh, could you check this out? Like, we're we really don't know uh, at all what's happening. And like, you never really, they never really resolve that. Like, you don't actually mm. know what just happened that affected the whole galaxy. And like, it's like it's kind of. Uh, this like hint at this like weird Lovecraftian nature of the universe that, (laughs) that, um, you know, is kind of like, yeah, you know, there are some, some, um, some threats that, uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we got the Klingons and the Romulans, which are, you know, kind of like us, uh, you know, we do pretty good against, um, uh, power mad, uh, uh, computers. We can, uh, we can, uh, uh, reliably talk those into committing suicide and, you know, and even the odd um, omnipotent god like a Trelane or like a, um, yeah. you know, or like uh, the, Balak. I mean, any number, <laughs> yes, or, or like, uh, you know, we even hold our own against those. But sometimes, man, there's just something fucking weird and we don't know, we don't know, we don't even know what we did that made it go away, but we're glad that that happened that way. And like, let's just move on and forget it ever happened. Like, like, I kind of, I kind of like, you know, there's like a little kind of, um, peeking behind the curtain a little bit in that episode that i mean i will grant you it's not a great episode of tv uh, but i have a soft spot uh, because it's a little weird okay i appreciate I, that. I just looked at pictures of it and i i know i've seen every episode of star trek and i don't remember this episode well, I have, most gonna, people don't <laughs> i have to you know jack, jack has been saying he's recently been revisiting the original series and he's tempted me just because of watching strange new worlds to go back and revisit the original series and uh, i may well, have so to that, because I, I don't remember this episode at all Oh well, so that's something. That's something that I um, I don't want to get into uh, totally right now. But that's something that I would like to uh, discuss uh, uh, later on. Like my one, my one quibble, and this is a quibble uh, because I do love this show and I'm very excited about it. I'm 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 thrilled with this show. I love it to pieces. Uh, my one quibble 
is its status as a prequel uh, because of all of the, you know, the aforementioned seeing it, uh, you know, in Ultra HD or with glasses for the first time, you know, as I said earlier, like not just in terms of design, but also in in terms of like the layers of the storytelling. I don't think that I could watch an episode of this and then watch an episode of the original series and see it as 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 of a piece, right? Which is not is not a flaw. Um, it's just something that comes with the territory whenever you are going to make show uh, uh, set before the time of a classic uh, piece of, of film or TV from another uh, from another era. Um, so another century. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. From another century. So, so it's not a flaw per se, uh, but like these, this acts as a prequel in kind of an intellectual way. Uh, you know, like when you think about it, it's like, oh, okay, so like your your idea of who her is is now informed by what we see her go through and what we learn about her in the second episode of this show. Uh, but that said, I don't feel like that I could watch that episode of Strange New Worlds and then throw on an episode of the original series and feel like I'm saying and feel like I'm seeing the same character. Now, yeah. now you know like your mileage may vary on that. Um and again, like I'm not saying, you know, this is a flaw or something wrong with the show. I th- I think the show is great. It it's just that I think its status as a prequel allows you to do really interesting things because of your pre-knowledge of where the characters, uh, you know, where they end up. So it allows you to do some cool things. And uh, but I don't think that it's designed uh, uh, to work as like a one cohesive whole, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, is their plan? Who knows what their plan is? I mean, is their plan to end this series and have Kirk like take over? So it's a seamless transition. I mean, I mean, I don't know. The thing, though, uh, you know, as John was talking about uh, when you guys were talking about, uh, you know, I think they are going to uh, uh, Captain Pike ultimately have the fate that we see that he has that we know that he has. Um, but what would make it okay is if we see the scene, the events of the menagerie, when we do see what Spock does for, for Pike, I think we may see, um, restaging of that, Mm. of the events of that episode. Uh, because if you think about it, like that's what really makes it okay in the end. And I think it would also be really meaningful in a way that it wasn't with the original series. Like in the original series, uh, when you watch the Menagerie, like they really play it as like kind of a mystery. It's like, why is Spock doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and the idea that um, he he had a relationship with another captain that's uh, not the lead of the show. It's a whole other thing. And we're like, oh, OK, so I guess that would mean. So it's it's like. You know, so so it's sort of it's sort of it's sort of played as a mystery. Uh, but now, if we were to see it again in this new context, and I mean, arguably, like you could just throw on uh, 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 the menagerie after watching the show, uh, which again, I just said uh, I don't think you can do. So 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 maybe I'm making my own uh, my own argument for me. Uh, you know, for uh, for doing this, uh, but I really feel like this show, however long it lasts, I think would feel incomplete if they do not. Um, restage those scenes with these actors and those roles uh, because it was because it would have so much it would be so much more impactful if we have just watched the relationship between this Spock and this Captain Pike 
we would know exactly why Spock is doing what he's doing, and we would exactly. uh, be so thrilled that he is doing it. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're right. We're going to have to see some sort of restaging of that, and that's that's exactly what my thought was that I've been uh, thinking about for the last few minutes, is that um, because you're talking about this as a prequel and how, uh, you know, do you see these characters becoming the characters that we, some of them that we see in the later uh, shows? The answer, the answer is no. And that's okay. Because, and, and the very reason why I think that the menagerie or, or the cage will be restaged, uh, because I view this myself, or at least this is how I've come to view it over the years, uh, as I've seen more shows come out like this. Um, I think of it like Macbeth or, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 any Shakespearean play. Uh, it was written 500 years ago. It was performed 500 years ago. Um, and even then, different cast members at different points. And everybody's had their own take on it. It's, you know, Macbeth when you see it. You know, if, if once you've seen it once in all its different iterations, uh, you'll recognize it, you'll see it. And there are good productions, there are bad productions, there are phenomenal productions. And they're all a little bit different or dramatically different. There's the new one uh, with Denzel Washington. Uh, that came out uh, not too long ago on Apple TV Plus, and it's phenomenal. It's also dramatically shorter than we know uh, uh, traditional Macbeth to be. That's how I'm very much viewing this. I'm saying this this is a show that is over 50 years old. So it's it, it, it's back there. It's now part of our history. It's part of our fabric, and it can't be brought back completely as it was because that's a pretty big time jump. Um and, uh, uh, you know, we as people and our culture have changed dramatically since then. So that's what Star Trek is now is that, well, this, this is a new take on Star Trek. It's a prequel, some of the same characters, but it's a new take on it. And that's totally okay. And it doesn't have to line up perfectly with what the uh, production was in 1960, not just because of different cultural mores and different production values. It's because it's a new take on a story, the way we tell myths in different ways over the years. So I'm totally okay with that. Um, I occasionally have to remind myself of that. I have to be like, hey, we're taking this framework, we're taking what we know of as Star Trek and doing this. But it doesn't have to be a one-to-one, it goes into the original series. Unlike, say, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Next Gen. Those were all in production and uh, airing at about the same time with about a year overlap at different points so that they literally had characters jumping from show to show, making cameos and, and, and doing that kind of thing. So that in that case, it makes sense that you are very much in line with what the other show is doing. Um, this, this, I think, has the freedom to do as it will. And if they restage later events and take a maybe a different twist on it, uh, I'm totally okay with that because the general concept is there. It's that this was a different storyteller than 50 years ago, and they're going to tell it in their own way today. Just make sure it's a damn good story. That's my threshold. It's like, you got to make sure this is fun. Got to make sure it's a good show. Everything else I'm okay with. I mean, I, I guess if they, I mean, I would, I agree with you, Josh and John about you have to restage the menagerie, I think, to give closure to the Pike character, but I mean, if we're that far along, though, who knows what they plan to do? Is there is there a boundary crossing, like just doing the next five year mission of Kirk's thing, and considering that the sequel to the original series at that point? You mean, like, you take, mean if they, you mean if they yeah. made like a new series of like the same uh, the Kirk five year mission of the original series? Yes, I don't think they would do that. I mean, if they did, then then I think um, the show would be would be sort of imposing. Uh, 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 the logic that John said, like uh, the show itself 
would be saying this is how you must uh, uh, treat this, right? Right. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think the only reason to, like, like you know, John, as you were saying, like, I think to do the menagerie again, they'd have to have a different take on it in terms of, like, seeing things we didn't see and being informed by what we've just seen with Strange well, New Worlds when they get to that point. Well, the thing about it, I think that would be different. Like, I don't even know what you would have to change. I think the new context is enough, though. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if they um, have a new spin on it, I mean, I'm certainly open to it if it's if it serves the story, if it works for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I think John's exactly right. I think like, you know, you um, Star Trek has now uh, gotten to a place where it is, you know, it's a part of our shared mythology and and it can be interpreted and interpreted over and over again. We no longer have, you know, Captain Pike and Captain Kirk. We have the idea of of Captain Pike and Captain and and Captain Kirk. Is it Jeffrey Hunter? Is it Bruce Greenwood? Is it is it Anson Mount? Well, yes, right, absolutely. It's all it's all of those characters and actors, right? Um, if and when they get to a um, um, Kirk uh, getting the center seat, um, I got a feeling they might do something like like a time jump and go right to the second five-year mission, quote-unquote Star Trek Phase 2 that never happened, that became Star Trek The Motion Picture, right, back in the day. So, um, and because would you rehash and restage all the original um, uh, episodes from the uh, the original series? No, of course not. So I, I think it might be, you might see something along those lines when when Pike's story is done or told to, to satisfaction and it's time to bring in Captain Kirk. Okay, it's now, you know, Year one of the of, of the uh, of the second five year mission, uh, yeah, something cool. like that. Yeah, right. Who knows? I'm I'm, I'm there for the voyage. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All leading up to Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah, well, lead up, well, have to lead up, well, yeah, and actually have to lead up to uh, Star Trek the motion picture, right? Uh, Kirk, 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 assuming leaving leaving the center seat and becoming Admiral Kirk. Oh well, take... so so what I thought you were talking about was uh, the second five year mission between the motion picture and the Wrath of Khan. No, uh, because no, I think no, the second, the second um, five mission between the original series. Yeah. Yeah. There's supposed to be another. Yeah. There, there, there's that, uh, uh, second five year mission after the original series before the motion picture. That was and the they, plan back in the seventies with Star Trek phase two. Yeah. Yep. And the so time lines up because, uh, and they, I think they make sort of brief reference to it in the motion picture and then Kirk yeah. accepts a promotion and is mm-hmm. miserable after that. You know, yeah, that's well, something yeah. that also I take from is, it, is that the Kirk trauma of, the movies and his whole, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm no longer commanding the Enterprise, everything like that, was very, the word bitter comes to mind. There, there's a bitterness and then he gets it back and he's happy. But they're not, the nature, Pike is here already facing, you know, this incredible fate, which is worse than losing command, arguably. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. I think it is. And the journey we're seeing with this is so much more nuanced and I'm much more interested in it uh, than I am of the movie Kirk just being sad he's not Captain the Enterprise anymore. This is really, I think that this is really that journey. And if, and if these episodes are our indication, the journeys we're going to see various characters going on are, are, are going to be a lot. I think, I think they're definitely hinting some interesting things with Spock uh, and, and, and every single uh, other character that we know of so far. So, you know, I think, uh, I think we're, we're in a good place. What do we have any sense what's coming up next week for who they're going to focus on next week or what's going to happen? Um... I don't know. Yeah, I think I next week should be Mr. Kyle gets a day, gets a day off because that poor guy, <laughs> he's, he's stuck at that station in, in, in the transporter room and everything. He's so, it's, it's so intense, his job. I mean, <laughs> give the guy a break. 
I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm really looking forward uh, to the Ortegas episode because I love that character. Yeah, I want to see. Yes, definitely. I think she's very. Cool. Oh, I'm looking forward to their first, their first comedy in the vein of Trouble. I was just, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, yeah. The other thing that I'm looking forward to are. Th- uh, the different genres, because, you know, one of the things that uh, both the original series, but uh, particularly um, uh, Next Gen, I think I uh, was more aware of what they were doing. Uh, but like uh, w- one of the great things about having an episodic uh, a TV show is you can have a comedy one week, a horror, a horror hour the next week. Like mm-hmm. you can really do like all kinds of stories. And I'm. I'm pretty sure that we are going to get a comedy episode. I don't know if we're going to get a horror episode, but, but like we are going to get episodes with different flavors. I don't know if we're going to get a Western on an all out uh, Western, like uh, a TOS was want uh, to do. And even um, yeah, a fistful of data's. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, if you really want to, um, if you really want to do a TOS of the sixties, if you want to be true to it, you, you got to, at least have an episode on like a Western set in the back lot. If you even have those anymore. It says for a uh, next, uh, this coming week's episode, uh, the tagline Pike must find unconventional Starfleet methods to deal with the malevolent force that attacks the enterprise. And apparently I didn't see the trailer, but the trailer shows, I guess we're dealing with the Gorn. I know what that. No, I was interested in the malevolent force would have to be NBC, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask John Belushi about that. She yeah. could. <laughs> no, yeah, from that from that classic SNL sketch. Yeah. Oh, I knew that's that's great. Yeah. Oh, the windshield. <laughs> so I guess next week maybe it's a uh, a uh, Alana Lana suit episode if it's the Gorn, possibly. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, probably. I, yeah. Probably, I'm assuming, since that's that's her whole history. And she seems like a character though we've only touched upon in these three episodes. That's her backstory is really ripe for diving into at this point. Oh, the Gorn, in CGI Gorn, not not in plastic suits. That that could be interesting. Speaking yeah, I don't know of, they're, they're going to do real what they're going to do with the Gorn. If it's going to be a, so, a man in a so, suit, or if it's going to be CGI. <laughs> so in Enterprise, it was CGI. Uh, what this show seems to be doing, like something that I do love about the show, I really love how they've been using the the AR wall to really good effect. The um, uh, you know, they've been shooting on location, and obviously, like uh, the engineering set, uh, that whole um. Uh, massive interior of the secondary hull like that's all the ar wall Uh, you know like it just really looks really incredible and again like um what maybe we were supposed to be seeing through the octagonal grating in the engineering room uh, on the original series is that that's right that's what i assumed yes yeah yeah yeah. Uh, what was i saying uh the gorn yeah so so you know maybe they might do something where it is prosthetics that's kind of augmented with cgi um like they've been doing in the new star wars movies it's like it's a mask uh, but then we do the eyes and the mouth uh with cg um uh, maybe that would be the happy medium that would that would be good i mean i always i always like prosthetics and real stuff but we'll see i mean i've you know everything's been outstanding so far so let's see what the the gorn look like in this incarnation i mean i'm, I'm all i'm up for it definitely so is there anything else we want to dive into for these two episodes before we wrap things up in this this uh this episode i, I think just, we touched I just, on all the highlights but um maybe there's anything else that anyone had thoughts on that we didn't dive into yet well one thought was that i had was that um Again, this comes back to what we've talked, spoken about many times before. Star Trek is about family. And we saw that when, uh, when uh, number one came clean to the captain and now 
he, you know, he just stood up for her. He said, no, he gave her back her, her, her commission, so to speak. And then when she tracks down the, the problem with the, uh, the medical transporter, she could turn in Dr. Nbenga because we find out his secret, which is again, heart wrenching and just incredible that this man is carrying this around with him. And yet at the same time, he's the chief medical officer of this flagship of, of Starfleet. And she Joe, I just want to, Joe, I just want to interrupt for a second. Cause I was talking, I was texting with Josh, his story with the daughter reminded me of uh, heart of ice with Mr. Freeze. And yes. His wife. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. also funny uh, because his story with the daughter also reminded me of, of Scotty and relics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can, you can stay indefinitely alive in, in a pattern buffer, right? Uh, Scotty was in there for 75 years, correct? Yep. Like yes, yes. So, um, but that's no, Franklin. Story. Franklin didn't make it, and he deserved better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Only about fifty percent brilliant, Mister LaForge. Franklin deserved better. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, that's a story I want to see unfold. Doctor and Benga's story. They, they really need to do more. They they need to do more with him because I think uh, he's great. He is so good. He is great. He, yeah. He's great, and um, uh, I don't want to see them overlook. Uh, the doctor because no. they have a doctor and a nurse and they already have the curmudgeonly engineer. So I, I really hope, and, and I think that this storyline is what's going to really flesh out this character is that, you know, they, they've been wrestling with this thing and everybody has a reason for being out there, you know, and they're a little bit different, but everybody wants to go on this journey to strange new worlds. And now we're finding out that it's not, it's not just a happy go lucky Starfleet. Let's see what's out there because episode one, it was, it was Uhura cool, even though she doesn't know why she's really out there. Uh, uh, Pike, uh, you know, has done this before and is doing it again, but has his own issues. Uh, number one is maybe running away from certain things, but also wants to run two things. It's, there's so much to it, but now we know that we have an entire crew of people who want to be out there doing this and, and 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 just quickly touching on the whole thing with you know this being a prequel or anything, the brilliance is this is strange new worlds. They don't have to do the stuff we've already seen. In fact, so far they've made reference to things like the Gorn and other things. Um, and and I'm sure that because they're not fully fleshed out in, in, in any other series, they're going to be interesting in this. Um, but they get to do whatever they want because the Enterprise is off on a five year mission to parts that are unexplored so we don't have to do the same old star trek we can we can literally get our strange new worlds so sometimes the strange new worlds are not not always what's out there it's what's within you and we're yes. seeing that with these characters yes well to go to your point joe that's like the heart of star trek too is yes. the is the human struggle or the human the human dynamic. adventure the human yeah the human adventure, adventure you know it's whatever how yes <laughs> It all ties together. So, I, Josh, you have any final thoughts? I did, but I forgot. So, so hopefully, we'll do <laughs> next week. <laughs> and I think just and Josh has just brought up to me, and since you know this is coming out at the same time as that, like it's time for I guess Star Trek to have its prequel show that the rest of the thing has to be crammed into. I mean, Star Wars has been doing it forever. Obi Wan's coming out, so we might as well have Star Trek have this opportunity where it's something that is a prequel to it, and the, uh, the original show has to be retrofitted into this prequel show at this point. So. Yeah. Um, I think it's where we are, we're at with our science fiction and our pop culture in general. We, if we're, we're going back in time. Everything will have to be retrofitted in everyone's headcanon at some point. They're doing a prequel to Supernatural. Why not Star Trek? Why not Star Trek? That's right. <laughs> so, well, I think that's everything for this week. We will be back in two weeks to talk about episodes four and five. 
as always, uh, thank you for listening, uh, listening audience. And of course, thanks to the crew. So thank you, John. Glad to be here. And Josh. Always a pleasure. And Joe. Oh, de- definitely always a pleasure. Yes, always a pleasure. And if you have thoughts on the, what we've talked about so far with Strange New Worlds, please uh, make your comments known on the Facebook group, uh, Secret Origins of Mint Condition. You could also email us at secretoriginsmc at gmail.com. And we thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. I just, I just remembered. <laughs> what?